0: We are going to continue on on our uh, series March to Calvary today. It is now April to Calvary, um, as we are two weeks out from, from, from our Easter Sunday service. I just want to say again really quick, that Good Friday service on April 15th at 7 o'clock um, is one of my favorite, if not my favorite service. Uh, that's why we pay him the bid bucks right there. He's, he's not just a pretty face. All right. Thank you, Ben. Um, it is one of my favorite services of the entire year. And I'm, I'm always, I gotta be honest with you, I'm a little sad or disappointed um, that more people don't come to that service on that Friday night. But I wanna encourage you, be here for it. It is awesome, it is powerful, and it really sets the tone for that whole weekend. So um, plan on being here on that Friday night in, in a couple weeks. But here we are, we've been, um, we've been discussing the steps that Jesus takes, right? And we, we, we began this entire series talking about how The steps that Jesus takes, every single one of them are purposeful, right? They're for a reason. Uh, Whether it's walking into a wilderness, walking to Samaria, uh, crossing the sea to the Decapolis, or walking on water, every step that Jesus took when he was here on earth had a purpose and had a point to it. But today I want to do something a little different. I want to talk about the steps that Jesus didn't take. I want to talk about a moment in John where Jesus hears of something and he doesn't move. And I want us to be real honest with each other this morning, be real vulnerable with each other, because we talk here at Beaches Chapel how this is a home. And when when you're in a home, you feel like you're yourself. You can relax, right? You can be you. And yet sometimes we still come into this place and we feel like we have to put on a facade right? And that's what we are trying to get rid of here. You come in, you're hurting. Praise God, we're going to pray for you. You come in and it's the best week of your life. Praise God, we're going to celebrate with you. But we want you to be you in this place. And so I want to ask you this morning, and I want you to be brave. If you've been waiting on Jesus to take some steps in your life, will you just raise your hand this morning? Amen. Amen. I figured as much. And because it's great to hear these sermons about Jesus going, right? And he's, he's going to break stereotypes. He's going to go to Samaria and he's going to talk to a woman at a well when most Jews avoided Samaria, right? And he's going to go to the Decapolis and he's going to change the whole, the whole narrative by going there, right? And he's going, to, he's going to free a naked, demon-possessed, chained man. And then he's going to walk on water all the way out to his disciples. This is the Jesus that we love to hear about, the Jesus that goes, For that one person and sets them free and and does the miraculous in those moments. But the truth of the matter is, in a lot of our walk with the Lord, we experience a Jesus who does not take steps, and it certainly feels that way. So we're going to discuss that this morning as we look in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through this morning the story of Lazarus with Jesus. But I want to say this, the meat of today's message is in the first six verses, before Jesus even goes to the tomb, before he meets with Lazarus's sisters, before he does anything, the story is in the first six verses. So let's read through those and see what John is telling us about Jesus and about us in these first few verses. Starting in verse 1, now a man named Lazarus was sick He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Okay, so here's the setting of this story. And what John tells us, what he, what he makes necessary in this opening remarks, this preface of this amazing, incredible, miraculous story is this. Jesus loves Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Martha. He wants to make that very known right off the bat. Jesus loves them. It said so twice. And there's a a third point in verse two when it says that this is the same Mary that then anoints Jesus' feet and wipes uh, his feet with her hair. That hasn't happened yet, by the way. That happens in the next chapter in John 12. But John the writer wants to tell us that as another way of saying, look, this is a very close relationship. This isn't just like, hey man, love you. Love you too. Cool, see you later. This is a, they, they love Jesus, and Jesus loves them to the point where the sisters don't even feel necessary to invite Jesus to come to them when they send word of, of Lazarus's sickness. They simply say, Lord, Lazarus, the, is the one you love is sick. That's it. Not, hey, can you come? Can you hurry? Can you get here? This is a, this is a dire situation. We need you here, Jesus. Get here as soon as humanly possible. Please come. It's just... Lord, the one you love is sick, because they know what Jesus feels about Lazarus. They also understand, and we need to understand, that this this love that John is professing is in a moment of tragedy, right? This is great tragedy. Lazarus isn't just sick, y'all. He doesn't just have a head cold or the flu. This is deathbed sickness, that if Jesus doesn't get here yesterday, something very bad is going to happen. Lazarus is going to die, And so in the midst of tragedy, John's first remark is that Jesus loves them. And it's something that we have heard if you've been following the Lord, especially when you're little, what do we sing? Jesus loves me, this I know, right? For the Bible, Jesus loves the little children. You know, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how he loves us. Reckless love. The songs, they go on and on and on that we sing about Jesus loving us. And we sing that and we hear that all the time. But there are times in our life when we actually wonder, is that true, Lord? Because I don't see you stepping towards me. In the midst of my tragedy, in the midst of everything that is going on, why aren't you walking towards me? I saw you walk to the well. I saw you cross the sea. I read about you walking on water, but what about me? And we start to question Jesus' love for us. And the truth of the matter is, is because we don't fully understand love. We don't fully understand it. And so we question God's love for us. Because he's not taking steps. Because here's the thing, y'all. Check this out. Love, what the world says, love requires action. And if you go and look in verse 5, it says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's all verse 5 says. John wrote verse 5 just to tell us that Jesus loved him. That's the point. And then in verse 6, it says this. So, so. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. So another word in your version might say, therefore, or because of this, as a result of his love, not in spite, not, well, even though he loved them, he stayed, or in spite of his love for them, he stayed. No, it says, so. You ever thought about that? As a result of Jesus's love for them, he stayed right where he was. But love requires action. That's what the world tells us, right? We think that if you love someone, there has to be some grand gesture. We got to be John Cusack playing Peter Frampton holding the boombox, box, right? In your eyes. Jesse hates that song. I love that song, right? <clears throat> Come on, children of the 80s. I know who's all There we go. I got to do it because I love you. So I have to make this grand gesture. That's what the world teaches us. That's why the world says over and over we can't get away from that. If you love someone, you better sleep with them. You better have sex with them before you're married because love requires an action. You gotta show that person. You better do this and you better do that because that's what love is. That's not what love is. Bible tells us that love is patient. I wanna tell all you single people out there, if you're sleeping with someone, stop. And especially under the guise that you love them. Because what Jesus tells us right here is he loves them and he waits. He stays put. So often, the best thing that we can do when we love is to be slow to things, be slow to anger, be slow to speak, just slow down. But we get such in a rush because we think love requires action. We better do something. I got to move. Let me tell y'all, let me tell you something. We need to slow down a lot of times and seek the Lord in things and say, how can the creator of love tell me how to love in this moment? Because that's what the word says. That's what the Bible tells us. In First John 4, 16, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And then it says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. I want y'all to understand something. Loving while denouncing God is a perver- perverted and distorted and broken version of love. Because what you're doing is we're, we're saying that, that I'm gonna take love from, from whom created it. And then I'm gonna say that doesn't exist or that is wrong. You can't do that. That's not how it works. Verse 19 is saying not, not we, we love, it doesn't even say we love him because he first loved us. It's saying we love. In other words, if God didn't introduce love because he is love, he is the creator of love. If he did not introduce and give us the gift of love, we wouldn't even know what love is. It's not a reaction to his love. It's an understanding of love. You you follow me on that? And so if we're trying to love without the Lord, then it's broken. You get that? And so Jesus loves them. He loves you and he loves me and he loves us. And so he must act, right? Not all the time. He stays put. He stays where he is at. Okay, James, I hear you. Why then? Why does he do that? Well, Jesus answers that question in these verses as well. For his glory. He stays put He stays right where he's at when he hears that Lazarus is sick and is about to die, not for Lazarus' benefit, for his glory. And I wonder, how often do we ask ourselves when we are waiting for the Lord to move, when we are in our own tragic situation, do we ask the question, God, how can I glorify you in this? I'll be real honest with y'all. I don't do that nearly enough. My question is, God, how long until you help me? How long until you fix this for me? Jesus saying, I am staying put because this is to glorify me. We have got, we have got to get over ourselves. And if there's anything, y'all, that the world does and that even has seeped into the church is that we're all about the glory of me. It's all about my glory. And how do I feel in this moment? And how, what does this do for me? And how can you fix me? And, and, and it's all about me and my glory and how I feel. Father, forgive us. Because from, from the moment of our creation until the moment that Jesus comes back, it is about his glory glory. It is about him and how we, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of a storm, can glorify God. Because if we can start doing that, church, trust me, the world will start taking notice. They will start asking questions. They will start seeking out the Lord, too. When they can look in our lives, know that things are not great, things are not perfect, and we're continuing to praise Jesus in all of it, and the Lord is continually on our lips, they're going to start asking questions. Say, I want that. I want that what's unbelievable about this story what's what's so incredible is that in the midst of it jesus gives away the ending in what is it the fourth the fourth verse he says this sickness will not end in death no <laughs> he says did you hear me no it will not end in death here's the crazy that's not the crazy part the crazy part is that no one seems to care. Jesus, if you go back to the very beginning of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, as the Word, as God, is speaking this out with full authority, because when God speaks, creation listens, right? Creation has to be obedient to God because God is full authority. And so, Jesus, as God, as the Word, speaks this Word out. It will not end in death. And it's like nobody even hears it. Up until this point, Jesus has healed the blind, healed the lame, he's walked on water, he's fed 5,000, he's in all sorts of miracles. And you would just think in this moment, he gets this bad news and he says, He's not going to die that they'd go, okay, cool, but they don't, and listen, y'all, it sounds pretty familiar, because God has given us the ending to this whole story already as well. If you don't know what it is, I'll tell you right now. He wins, and through him, we win as well. He is coming back. The ending has been told. The ending has been told, but listen, y'all, we got to care. That's got to matter to us. We got to own that. We got to hold tighter to that than any other situation that's going on in our life. Like, wait a second. I know the ending. He told me. His word said so. And just like he said to the disciples then, he's saying to us now, I got you. It's not going to end in death. It is going to end in life. But do you care? Or are we so consumed with what is going on around us that we forget that Jesus has told us the ending already? Please, do not confuse what you perceive as inaction from Jesus as a lack of love for you. He loves you so much. And we're gonna see that as the story continues, which we're gonna read through. Um, now, he, in verse seven, is. This, this always cracks me up, so I have to read it. It says, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So like two days passed by, and then Jesus is like, okay, let's go. Why, why this sudden change of heart of Jesus? Why now? And it's because of something that we've been saying this whole series, and that is that Jesus' timing is perfect. He was waiting for a reason. And so after those two days are up, he said, okay, now we can go. Let's skip down to Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. We're gonna get back to that in just a second. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He's given away the ending again. Come on, Jesus, spoiler alert. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, it's a great answer, a sermon for another day. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Man, sad words. I think those are things that we've probably all said before. God, if you had just been here. God, if you had just done this. If you had just done what I had asked. I sent you the note. I prayed the prayer. I told you he was sick. I told you what was going on. If only... You had been here, then things would be different. Y'all, listen, God is with you all the time, He is always there. How He decides to move in a situation is His business, not ours. Our business is to ask the question God, how can you be glorified in this? How can I glorify you in this? Psalms 34 says that he is near to the brokenhearted. He is not a distant God. He is not far away going, oh, that's right. I forgot about so-and-so. I should probably check in on them. It's not how he works. So though we might feel like saying these things, God, if you had just been here, he's always here. He's always with you. But he didn't answer my letter And the timing that I thought doesn't mean he's not with you. It doesn't mean that he's not with you because it goes on to say in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus, knowing what he was about to do, He had already given away the ending when he heard how sick Lazarus was, right? This will not end in death. Yet his spirit is moved and he's troubled to the point of tears. Why? Because he loves them. He loves them. And he hates seeing how they are feeling. He hates that they are mourning the death of their brother. And he is moved. He's moved by their hurt. Listen, Jesus counts every tear, y'all. We are his children. We are the sons and daughters of the most high God. And if we hurt when our children hurt, how much more so God with us? How much more so? Jesus, in the midst of this, on his way to the tomb, knowing what he is about to do, is weeping. Because he sees those that he loves weeping. And he's moved by it. Yes, he is with you. Yes, he hears you. And he counts every single tear. And I believe truly that he feels it. I believe that he feels it. Some of us need to know that this morning. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Okay, so we talked about Jesus' timing being perfect, and how he waited, and how all this was for the Lord's glory, right? Well, the Jews had a superstition back then that the spirit would hover over a dead body for three days. With the idea that just maybe the spirit will change its mind and re-enter the body and then come back to life all right that's what they believed and so jesus waited that time so that it was the fourth day because he wanted everyone to know that this is what i'm about to do this is no superstition right this is no soul about to go back into the body he changed his mind this is me jesus the son of god having power over death in 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 And what I'm about to do, I want there to be no argument about. But here, and we'll get to it in a second, but it's so much more than just people understanding his power. It's because of what was coming after this miracle. Why he wanted people to know who he really was and how he was going to be glorified. So in the moment it didn't make any sense. Why would you why would you wait, Jesus? You loved Lazarus. Why didn't you come? We sent the note. You could have healed him if only you had been here. Because I had to wait. Because this isn't about me raising Lazarus. This is about my glory. It's not about whether or not I love you. I definitely love you. But I had to wait so that when I do what I'm about to do, people won't make any mistake. And they'll know who I am. Verse 40, then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Even in this moment, when he's, when he's about to do this big deal, his concern still is the glory of God. Not, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see Lazarus raised from the dead? Didn't I tell you that? No. Didn't I tell you that you will see the glory of God? Because that is what it is all about. Verse 41, so they, they took the st- uh, away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people. Standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Again, it's so much more than just about one person. It's so much more than just about Lazarus. And when God is waiting in our lives, chances are it's not just because it's about you. There are other things going on in your life that you may not even understand or know that are happening. And God is waiting because though you are in it, it's about so much more than just you. Because he works in bigger ways. He's concerned with greater things than we even consider. Verse 43, it says, When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. There it is. Jesus is glorified, right? Ta-da! Lazarus is raised from the dead. But all the way to the beginning of John chapter 11, when Jesus gives away the ending and says, this will be for my glory, he's not talking about this moment. I'm have the band come back up, and we're going to close this morning. And we're going to talk about why Jesus was truly glorified in this. And what makes this miracle so miraculous and amazing. Because I wish the story ended there. I wish that was it. And we turned the page and went on to another event. But the story continues in verse 45. It says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. All right. Gotta love the tattletales, right? right. Been around since the beginning of time. (laughs) Praise God. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. I love that they consider Jesus raising a dead man back to life a sign. The enemy will never give the Lord any credit, by the way. He will not give the Lord credit. Well, that's a sign. It's this, bro. He just raised someone from the dead, right? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So when Jesus gets word of Lazarus being sick and he says, it will not end in death, but this is for the glory of the son of God. What he's talking about is not that so people will see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead and believe. He's talking about how this is going to lead me to the cross. This whole thing is going to set in motion the plot to kill me and I will be glorified not by doing a miracle but by hanging on a cross. That is the glory that Jesus is talking about. That is why he waited. It was never about his love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was never about him showing off his power and raising Lazarus from the dead. It was about him going to the cross so that he would be glorified and we we would believe. He wasn't just thinking about then. He was thinking about us now. How incredible is that? Talk about timing. Talk about love. He loves you. He loves you so much that He stayed so that He would be glorified on the cross. So that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he truly loves you, that you don't have to take his word for it, but that you can look to the cross because he knowingly raised Lazarus from the dead and the result of that would be him being killed. And he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Jesus loves me, this I know. Sometimes I don't feel like it. You need to know that he does feelings in the moment don't determine it the you know your perception of his lack of action is not a sign of that we just need to let that go because though you don't think that Jesus is moving trust me he is those steps that he didn't take when he first got word of Lazarus were the very steps that led him to the cross that gave us eternity with him forever so trust me when I say that just because you don't think he's moving, he's moving. And he loves you so much. Can I just say that again to those that need to hear it this morning? He loves you so much and he is working on your behalf. So let's stand up as we close this morning. And I specifically, we're going to have the elders, their wives come on up and we, I just want to pray for those this morning that specifically need that. Prayed over them. You, you've been walking through something. Tragedy. And listen, I'm, I'm not saying that what you're walking through isn't tragedy. I believe there's many of us in here that are. I'm not trivializing it in any way, what you are going through. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in the midst of that tragedy, whether you feel like God is moving or not, he is. Is It might not be the way that you would have written it up or the way that you like, but he's moving. So we wanna pray for you this morning. If that's you and you just need that prayer because you're weary and you're tired and you're frustrated and you're hurt and you've been having all sorts of questions. Maybe, Maybe the frustration and the hurt is starting to seep out into other areas of your life. Maybe it's affecting your marriage. Maybe it's affecting how you parent. Maybe it's, you know, your workplace, whatever it might be, but it's it's starting to become this thing in your life and you need to get it under control and you need to get back in line with the Lord this morning. We wanna pray for you. We also wanna pray for those, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't accepted him as your savior, if you haven't allowed him to move in your heart, and he's calling you out like he called Lazarus. Come out, come out. This is your moment. This whole story that we read in every story is for you. It's not just for those that already came. It's for you. He died for you. He stayed on the cross for you so that you could come out of that grave just like Lazarus did and you could live So I'm gonna pray, and as I do, we're gonna go back into worship. But if you need prayer this morning, please take that bold step to come forward. Get out of your seat, come down the aisle. No one cares. And come stand in agreement with our leadership here as we pray for you this morning. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you are always moving. And it may not look like it at times, Father, from our view, But God, we we know, we confess, we admit that our view is not your view. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that you don't care, that you've forgotten about us or that you do things for everybody else, but not for us. God, forgive us for forgetting that this whole thing is about you. It's for your glory, it's for your kingdom. So help us, Lord, to not be so centered on ourselves that we forget what this whole thing is about. But God, I do pray for those that are struggling right now, that need you to move, have been crying out, have written the note, sent it to you, how that you would move on their behalf, that you would comfort their hearts, you would quiet their thoughts, and they would be reminded this morning you are not a far off God, that you are always with them, that they never have to utter those words if only you were here, but that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have been with them every step of the way. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship.